Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. Do you ever find yourself jumping headfirst without that safety net or parachute and landing into the land of the unknown? Have you done that? Have you thought about it? Is it something you've thought about and you can do it all alone? Well, my husband, a.k.a. the Colonel, and I were watching the movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock. It's about NASA astronauts that are in deep trouble in space. And there's Sandra Bullock literally jumping into the unknown of space, trying desperately to survive. She's never been in that position before. She wants to take her knowledge and use it to be valuable to her team, while all the while being scared to death that she's literally there bouncing around space with no safety net and no parachute. Now, as an entrepreneur, we do the same thing when we decide to start our businesses and think we can do it all by ourselves. We have that amazing cape that we tie on each morning with the giant letter S on our chest. And why do we think we need to do that? Was that in our playbook? Well, when I decided to go out on my own, again, I didn't have anything or anyone to guide me. I was a maverick, so to speak, and knew what I didn't want to do, but not necessarily what I did want to do. Well, I did have a cushion to work with financially, for a while, that was the only one piece of the puzzle that I had covered. With everything in our world changing and challenging at the same time, even if you did have some kind of plan in mind, when stirring things up, part of being great at what we do is being ready to jump into the unknown. And even when you think you're ready, your own fears and doubts start to creep in and second guessing your decisions become the norm. Now for me, even with some of the twists and turns and surprises in store for me, I knew I was onto something truly amazing and the unknown, even though very risky, was becoming less scary. 
So let me give you some tips to help that jump when you're ready to take into a softer landing. Number one, ground yourself. In almost everything we do, we rarely give ourselves permission to just feel and breathe. Now, I tell my clients when they reach a milestone to stop and congratulate themselves. So if you're embarking on a new venture, a new business, or anything that's letting you peek behind curtain number one, it's okay to stop and get somewhat comfy. And no, I'm not saying become complacent. I'm saying get your sea legs before you go to the next step. You are probably outside of your comfort zone. And my response is that once you're outside of it, eventually it will become it. So be patient. The next step is to acknowledge your feelings. Your tummy, your back, your neck, or wherever you feel your doubt and stress are sure to appear. And again, it's okay. Feel it and realize it's a phase and it will soon change. It's a temporary hiccup. And you can say, next. The next step is give yourself credit. Many of your friends and former colleagues will tell you that you're either crazy or brave to do what you're planning to do. And I would go with the latter. And remember, not everyone has what it takes to be an entrepreneur. You're actually doing it. High fives all the way around. Of course, you need to create a safe place you can go to. Where do you go when things are really difficult? Who can you talk to? And make sure you have those people and places that give you the support you need, and you will need it. But stay away from the energy vampires, and you'll find them, or they'll find you. Now, I have music that I listen to that takes me back to my why, and I have people that remind me of what I do is needed and brings value. And finally, prepare for the positive. Many people, especially women, are afraid of succeeding more than they are of failing. And if you've done your homework and you know your market, chances are you are on the road to success. So be ready. It's always easier to think, why them and not me? How about a change in your mindset to here is what I'm sharing with the world. Here's a few great things that I'm doing. Just a few words changed around can be just what the doctor ordered. So with all of that said, the unknown is scary. And when I left my position, if I said I wasn't scared, I'd be lying. But I also knew I could either embrace the unknown in front of me or stay put in a life that I wasn't happy in. What choices are you ready to take or to make? Each time you take a different path, you're allowing opportunities to present themselves to you. And yes, there will be failures. But remember, each time something doesn't go according to your perfect plan, these are also opportunities to learn. And who doesn't want to learn? Remember, the universe does not behave according to our preconceived ideas. It continues to surprise us. We're going to take a short break to thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. And when we come back, you'll hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about jumping into the unknown with grace and support. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we'll be right back. What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the Glass Floor, Seven Essential Qualities for Women Who Lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense glass half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life. Uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. 
You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. It's time for my very special guest, Laura Briggs, a former teacher turned entrepreneur, speaker, and author. As a freelance writer, she's worked with over 200 clients, including Microsoft. She's also completing her PhD at Virginia Tech in public policy and published her first book in July of 2019. So welcome to the show, Laura. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I am looking forward to speaking with you. Yay. So the discussion of the day is jumping into the unknown. What do you think of when you hear that? Oh, I think of all the emotional and physical responses that we often have when we think about jumping into something where we don't know all the variables, especially those of us that tend to prefer a level of control over our lives. So I think anxiety, concern, fear, some of those things that typically come up. There's also a part of that anxiety that's built out of excitement as well, because thinking about taking a big leap is often driven by something inside you that is leading you maybe to your bigger purpose or towards a dream that you've always wanted to accomplish as well. So do you think that people think about jumping, but they stop simply because they're so afraid of the unknown that they just can't bear to try it? Yes, I think that is absolutely true. And I think another thing that we're really good at as humans, and it's not good for us, is running all of the negative what-if scenarios. Um, We can often see positives in jumping into the unknown, but can easily be sidetracked by, well, what if I fail? What if this affects my personal relationships? What if this affects me financially or my physical health? And your brain starts looking for other pieces of evidence to pull into that, ultimately convincing you that maybe you just shouldn't take this leap of faith at all. Yeah. And you know, as well as I do that, all the things that we talk about into our brain and our inner critic and our inner voice are generally negative. We don't you yes. know, come up with these positive things. <laughs> and that is the most bizarre thing. We're so much better at looking for negatives. I mean, if you've ever had one of those days where one bad five minutes happens to you and you're like, oh, this whole day is just ruined, right? And really it was only five minutes, but we start looking for other evidence of things that have upset us or why it's not perfect. So I think we all could stand to be a little bit better at looking for that positive evidence. Yes. And you and I are both speakers. And I would imagine that when you read feedback of 200 people, 199 said, you are fabulous. I love you. I can't work to work with you. And one person says, yeah, it was okay. And that's all you hear. You, have, you, there, you can't even read anything else. That's all you concentrate on. Yes. And it's so easy to do that, but I think it's important to look at that bigger picture too. And even if someone is giving you negative or even neutral feedback, sometimes there's things in there that can be helpful. Sometimes the feedback literally is not helpful at all. It's very generic, but if someone gives you a good point, there's a part of you that can really step back and say, you know what? The 199 people were were right and I'm glad they liked it. But this one person does bring up something that I can improve the next time around. So you can actually spin that into a positive to become even more effective the next time. Yeah, you just have to be a big girl and do it that way because most of us don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so when I left my corporate position, which I, I only had for a couple of years, everything else I've been an entrepreneur, I did jump and I had no parachute. And since I did the jumping... I left my severance and any other perks that I would have had in that position. Why do you think people actually do that? Just leave everything and just go. I think it's because they haven't recognized some of the signs of wanting to leave in the past or have placed less weight on them than was important. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. When I resigned from my teaching position, there were so many red flags and so many indications that that was going to be the eventual result anyways. But I think a lot of times 
things happen to us or people treat us a certain way, we bury it down and act like, okay, that's annoying or it's just one small thing. And then when you eventually do leave and take the leave, it's probably because of something really small, right? It was just, that was the hundredth time that someone said some little snippy comment to you or that your boss didn't listen to you about an idea. And so it's not necessarily that that time was so egregious. It's just that all of those little hurts leading up to that, this was finally the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay, so tell us about your journey into entrepreneurship. Yeah, it was very much built by one of those similar experiences. Spent most of my adult life working to be a teacher, was really set on going to become a professor and working in a university. And while I was working on my PhD, I was in a night program working on my doctorate. So I thought, why don't I get some more teaching experience, even though it won't be at the university level? So I took a position in a program very similar to Teach for America, focused on bringing teachers into a much needed urban setting in Baltimore City, and found out that the way that traditional education looks now was not a fit for me whatsoever. So I have never worked so many hours in my life. I've never been so exhausted and I never felt so unqualified (laughs) to do a, a job. And so for me, it was about how do I leave behind this dream of working in traditional education and take some of the skills that I do have and turn that into a new opportunity. So one of the things I was good at was creating lesson plans. I was terrible at classroom management. I was terrible at keeping up with grading, but I came up with really good lesson plans. And I thought maybe I could do something around writing or editing because I really like that creative aspect. So what started as a side hustle for me eventually developed into my full-time career. So I've been working as a freelancer for the past seven years. And I'm very grateful for it because it allowed me to leave a job and a career that I just wasn't passionate about. Okay. So what do you miss, if anything, about a stable or a real job? And I'm using air quotes about real. <laughs> I like that because I often use the same thing when I'm talking about real or secure jobs as well. So there's always that aspect of benefits. Like for, that's a major jump when you take to work for yourself is how are you going to provide benefits to yourself? Can you even afford to do that, right? You also have to take care of all of your own taxes as well. I think there's a sense of security in the fact that a paycheck is dropped into your bank account every week or every other week as an employee, but that is not necessarily as secure as you might think. So one of the companies that I worked for before going full-time freelance closed up shop three years after I was let go and all of those employees were without a job. So some of them had been working there 10 and 15 years. So you never know what is going to happen. So it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. I have to go create my own paycheck, right? To bring in money. But on the plus side, I get to go create my own paycheck, which means I determine Mm -hmm. my rates, I determine my salary, I determine who I do and don't work with. So there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, that sense of security from getting a regular paycheck and benefits, if you're willing to give that up, but hustle really hard and say, you know what, you know, on the flip side of this, I get to decide how I work, when I work and who I work with, it can really be a better fit for you. Absolutely. I think that it takes a little time to get there. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's all about mindset because when you, you know, I remember I was independent in insurance. And so I was 100% commission, which is basically the same thing. I decided what I was going to do and who I was doing it with. And I remember distinctly the first month I would get up every day and say, oh, I have to drive two hours and I don't even know and blah, 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 until I got there and I was fine and I would sell and it was awesome. But it was about a month or so later that I got up one morning and I said, you know, I'm a single mom and my one and only job is to protect my family. So if I could protect my family, why can't I protect others? Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I felt the switch flip and I went out saying, I have the privilege 
of protecting families today. And it was a much different outlook and a different mindset. And it was like, all of a sudden it became like a successful career for me. So do you find that once you get that mindset into your head that things change? Yes. I think it can have a huge impact on how you show up day to day and the kind of results that you bring into your business. I hear this a lot, um, even with other people who are successful freelancers or business owners, they say, oh, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm on deadline for this. So I have to get it done. When you make that subtle switch with those couple of words, I get to do this. I get to show up and deliver this amazing product that's going to help my client run their business more effectively. It helps you feel more connected to the work, but also more excited about doing it. And I think that so much of business that gets neglected, right? In a lot of the, like an MBA and traditional business training, there's just not enough focus on mindset. And here's the funny thing, being an entrepreneur is 90% what is going on in your head and 10% how you translate that into execution. And so it often gets overlooked, but it is a critical step for scaling. Okay. So tell me the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a freelancer. Well, so they can be one and the same. Entrepreneurs can run a business of any type. They can be selling physical products. You know, they can have a, you know, a brick and mortar business where they show up in person and they're not working remotely. The main difference with a freelancer is that they're running their own business. So they're an entrepreneur and a CEO in that sense, but they are also a part-time or contracted worker for multiple companies at the same time. So it's a little bit different than being an entrepreneur and saying, well, my focus is 100% on this one business. Freelancers have to manage running their own business with also being a vital component of multiple different teams, possibly doing multiple different services. So freelancer is just essentially a word that's used to describe independent contract work. You're being paid for a specific service, sometimes for a short period of time, sometimes for a long period of time with multiple different companies at the same time. So is it more about like being a fractional person? It can be. I think it really depends on how you choose to run your business. I think there's so many different models as a freelancer that it can really depend on what you want to get out of it. Okay. So what does the typical life of a freelance writer look like? Well, when you first start out, you have no clients. So you spend all you of go. your time marketing. <laughs> so there's a, there's a very distinct difference between being a beginner and being somebody who's been at it for a while, right? Because we just spend our time kind of in the exact opposite way. So someone new is hustling for clients out there, marketing, building their platform and their you know grouping of their clients that they work with. Someone who's more experienced is going to spend 80% of their time on client projects, around 20% marketing. Any given day, I might be invoicing one client editing and turning in work for another and starting the research for another client. So one of the things I like about it is that there's always a variety. I get to contribute to a number of different teams and companies. Some of them ask more, others ask less, but I never have the same exact day twice. You know, actually variety is great. Sometimes people don't like the variety. They like the, you know, I I want this schedule and, and that doesn't work either. So what are some of the mistakes that an entrepreneur makes? when they go into business or even when they've been in business for years, what are they, what are some of the typical mistakes that you see? There's two. So one is not verifying whether or not there's a market for what you are trying to sell. I see this happen a lot with people who are doing things like selling online courses. Don't spend three or four months outlining, recording, and editing an online course that you don't know if anyone wants yet. Because the worst thing is to put all that effort into it and then sell it and have no buyers or one person buy it when you're already in the hole because of how much time you've put into it. So always test your market first. You know, do a lot of research to figure out 
what they do want, who's interested in it. With courses, I always pre-sell my courses. So I give people a discount to sign up a month or two in advance. That essentially pays me to create the course. And if no one is interested in it, I don't create it. So that is one thing I think that it's very important to do. Make sure there is an actual market for what you're selling. The second thing has to do with control and deciding when you need to bring in someone else to help you. Some entrepreneurs become very successful, but then they also find themselves wearing all of the hats in their business. So they're CEO, CTO, VP of marketing, administrative assistant, they're doing it all. And they've really capped out at what they can bring into the business because they're trying to do the job of at least two people, probably more like five people, because they think, well, I know the business the best. This is my baby. So I'm the only person who can work on it. I don't want to give up control. At a certain level, you have to recognize that your skill set is not an answer emails or managing your calendar or scheduling social media, those things should be passed off to someone like an executive or a virtual assistant so you can focus on some of the bigger and more important revenue generating tasks. My first business coach, she told me exactly what you're saying, that, that she started out doing everything, everything, everything. And when she decided to become the CEO of her company and you know farm everything else out, her business changed. Yeah. Because her, her responsibility as a CEO was revenue. Her responsibility was not emails or it wasn't her calendar and it wasn't mm-hmm. social media and it wasn't, you know, finding this or that, doing research. And once she did that, everything changed. You have to know what is in your zone of genius. I figured out with my freelance writing business, the things that only I could do and do the most effectively were talking to clients on sales calls before they signed a contract and then writing the actual work the invoicing, the verification of research and fact checking, all of that did not need to be done by me. In fact, my virtual assistants are faster at it. And some of them are better at these things than I was Mm -hmm. anyway. So when I focus on what I do really well, that means that every hour that I'm working is at my maximum profit potential and happiness potential too, because I don't enjoy answering millions of emails or figuring out what to put on Pinterest. That's not even something I'm interested in. So it's good to know what you're doing that you shouldn't be doing and that can be handled more effectively by someone else. Perfect. Okay. So you've had the opportunity to work with some major clients like TrueCard, Discovery Channel, Microsoft, and you building their digital teams. So how did you find them and why did they say, raise their hand and say, I need to work with Laura, you know, because that's a big part of it. They have to want to work with you. So take us through that journey. Building your brand is extremely important as an entrepreneur. And I know that you know that and plenty of people in your audience recognize that over time, the more people that you work with, when you deliver a seamless experience, they're going to become your testimonial and your referral network. That social proof is more powerful than anything I could say about myself. So those clients all came to me by way of referral from other clients who you know, it was recruiters or it was someone else I'd worked with on a project where they said, Hey, Laura's really good at this. You really need to speak to Laura. So they've already done a lot of the selling for me. And it's because they had a positive experience in the world we live in today, finding quality talent that can meet deadlines, good communicators, professional makes for an easy experience. That is more rare than you would think. So the more that you can build that into your business process, especially if you're a service provider, the easier it will be for other people to recommend you. And they are so much more likely to sign up with you because of that. I've been working as a freelance coach for the last two years, coaching freelancers who are relatively new to the intermediate level of running their business. I have not advertised that business at all until the last couple of months because it was solely run through word of 
of mouth. And that makes it so much easier to do sales calls, to show up and to make sure that the people who are hiring you are perfect for you because your great clients will recommend you to other great clients. And so they'll already know your work style, the best strengths that you bring to the table. And that makes for a really good seamless relationship. Okay. So where does confidence come into play? Oh my goodness. Confidence is everything. And I know that a lot of people who are just starting out will say, well, I don't have the experience. I haven't been paid yet to do this. I don't have those testimonials yet because I don't have any clients yet. That is a not so much fake it till you make it, but you need to show up with confidence no matter what. Even if you're thinking, I only know how to do 70% of this, you tell the truth about that to whoever you're speaking to, but you say, I am a fast learner and I know where to find these resources. And with proper training, I know I can get up to speed very quickly. So showing up every day with confidence is very important because people can sense when you're not confident about something and they will instantly start to shift into a different place of wondering whether or not they even need the service or the product that you're talking about. And that takes them out of the element of wanting to work with you because now they're not even sure this is that important. It's something where they think they can put it off. And if there's not that sense of urgency applied to the conversation and around how great it would be to work with you, they've mentally checked out and moved on. So confidence is critical. But confidence is not the same as being cocky. So there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance and people are really good at being able to sense that these days because we're just bombarded with so much marketing and advertising on a regular basis. So you want to show up as confident enough to be able to do the job and showcase that you're the right person for it, but not overly arrogant to where people feel like they'll be put off. If you come in and you are overbearing and it seems like you have all the answers and there's no room for anyone else to have ideas, people won't want to work with you. So you have to be able to walk that fine line. Awesome. And you know, it's very interesting because I always ask people when we're talking about how do you stand out and how do you make a difference and so on, I always ask them, tell me why people want to do business with you. And you know, it's, well, I'm honest and I'm this. And people used to say to me, the reason I love doing business with you is because you make it so easy. I walk in confident, but if I walked in, you know, arrogant and cocky and everything else, they would be like, this is you make it difficult because I don't even want to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So you have to know how people perceive you. And I always tell people, ask somebody you trust a lot what they think of you in three words and think about yourself and see if they mesh because sometimes you give off an air that is not correct. Mm -hmm. And if you just want to be confident and you're showing up really arrogant, there's a big difference. Yes. And you can use that feedback from someone you trust to maybe highlight some of the negative aspects. Also pay attention to the positive things that people who have chosen to work with you say. They will often give you clues. Oh, I hired you because you were the most authentic person who showed up to my interview process. File that away. That's something that someone else is telling you how you are perceived that you can leverage for the future. You know, if someone asks you in a future call, what do others say about you? Oh, that I'm authentic and genuine. I've heard that numerous times. It's really something I strive to be. It's my goal to bring that to every conversation and every project I work on. So that, that again is bringing in that social proof. And it's sometimes surprising what other people have to say about you, positive or negative, but all of Mm -hmm. that data is valuable. Absolutely. Okay. So tell me about your book, how to start your own freelance writing business. Why did you sit down and write it? And what are we in store for? I wanted to write a book because I felt like when I got started in 2012, there was a lot of information out there about how to become a freelance writer. And so much of it was outdated. It was about how to pitch magazines, you know, how to work as a freelance newspaper writer or editor. 
media has changed dramatically, right? So I have never met any of my freelance clients in person. I have worked completely digitally and I wanted to have a resource manual for people to go to based on my successes, as well as the mistakes that I made throughout my freelance business to show them how they could really work from home on a flexible and freedom-based schedule you know, marketing for clients and turning in projects. So it's really based on everything that I think is most important to start a freelance writing business. Where do you find clients? How do you create samples? What goes into a pitch? How do you nail a sales call or negotiate aspects of contracts? Those are the things where that lack of confidence or lack of experience in the industry show up a lot for new freelancers. And so I thought it would be helpful to hear it from someone who's been doing it for a long time. Awesome. So what advice would you give to women in leadership positions? And it doesn't mean that has to be somebody that works in corporate America. It could be an entrepreneur that is a leader, period, end of discussion. It doesn't need to have hundreds of people. What advice would you give to a woman in a position of leadership? I think that us women specifically are the worst at delegating things to other people. We have a tendency in our personal and professional lives to take on way too much. We worry about everyone else, making them feel comfortable, making them feel safe, them not feel stressed out. And sometimes we can do that to the detriment of ourselves because we take on way more than we need to. So remember that you're a human too. As women, we often feel like we have to work you know, twice as hard to be seen as equal as some of our counterparts. And I think it's important to remember that you showing up and doing your best is also about implementing self-care, recognizing that you don't have to do everything, even in your own home or even within your company or your business and looking for places where you can ask for help. That is a true sign of leadership is being able to say, I don't need to have my hands in 50 different projects or aspects of running my team. I can outsource some of that. And that shows that I see those qualities in other people and seek to help promote and train them as well. Absolutely. And not to be afraid to ask for help when you actually need it. Yes. <laughs> We're really is, bad at that. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, the first couple of times you ask, it's really uncomfortable. But once you get the hang of it, I ask everybody for help. When I need help, I just ask, who yeah. can you help me with? Who do you know? You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of it. I used to be. But I think that it, as you get more involved with people that you trust, it's very easy to just say, hey, can you show me how you did that? Exactly. And it, and it is going to be uncomfortable those first couple of times, but a lot of times people are flattered because they see that you're recognizing something in them or they mm -hmm. learn from your own experience of saying, Hey, I've got too much on my plate. I need help. That's something that everyone can benefit from is learning how to recognize those signals in your own life. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get connected with you, find out the amazing things that you're doing and just be part of your community? I have a website called betterbizacademy.com. I run a podcast called Advanced Freelancing with specific advice for service-based business owners. And for anyone interested in freelancing, I also have a free Facebook group called Mastering Your Freelance Life with Laura. You can find the links to all of those on my website, betterbizacademy.com. Perfect. And what's next for you? I am getting ready to work on my second and my third book. So I will be doing a lot of writing. <laughs> There you go. Do you get some of your, uh, you know, the things that you write about, some of the examples or, or some of the behaviors, do you get that from just watching some of your clients? Oh, absolutely. When I see multiple people making the same mistake or struggling with the same thing, it says to me that there's not enough of a resource out there or that this is a common stumbling block. And so I always incorporate that into future trainings, resources, and books. Yeah. I love to watch people and I write a lot of posts and articles just by watching people. Yes. And sometimes they're very funny and sometimes they're very eye-opening, but I yes. love doing that. I think that's the, that's the best source of information. I agree. 
Awesome. Well, Laura, thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. You're doing amazing things. I love some of the, the articles that you're putting out, all the information that you're putting out and what you're doing for women, but doing for men as well. Cause I always talk about <laughs> men that champion women. I never leave men out. Right. I love that. And I look forward to creating some great adventures with you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And I want to leave everyone with this quote, by leaving behind your old self and taking a leap of faith into the unknown, you find out what you're truly capable of. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. And make sure you stay connected with us. And remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.